It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Brendan Glasheen filling in once again for Nick Cattles. Of course, the pod is brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Greg, what's going on? We just talked, what, 48 hours ago? And we should be a little positive, right? The Patriots are in the playoffs, Greg. We have to turn the page. It's a clean slate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, yeah, we certainly, I've certainly had my criticisms of the Patriots over the past week. Okay. Let's say past month. Um, and I, I think it's been all fair. Uh, you and I off air, were sort of joking about, uh, some of the blowback on my Matthew Judon criticism, you know, sorry, you know, it's pretty, I, I stay fact-based. I've been, I've been doing this for 20 years. I would not ca- call out a player unless I, a truly believe that. And B, uh, let's just say I often, before controversial takes, I check things out with people around the team and in the building right. and see if it's fair. And uh, Matthew Judon, it, just to you know catch people up, and I just wrote a breakdown on this on, on BSJ, but I went through all my numbers on Matthew Judon just to you know c- sort of catch people up. You, you were double-checking and your work like any double good checking. student would. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I do that. Like sometimes I'll have a, you know, I'll look and I'll be like, is that right? It feels this way, but is it right? And then I'll check it out, you know? And so Matthew Judon through the, the first Buffalo game, uh, average about three and a half quarterback pressures per game. Uh, in the last four games, he has averaged a little over one per game. He averaged almost a sack per game in the first 13 games. He is down to 0.13. And in terms of my grading, and look, I think I've been fair. I've sung the praises of Matthew Judon. He was on my list for defensive player of the year early. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my plus minus grading that people know that I do, it's sort of my rudimentary way of sort of keeping track how guys do. And not everything, not every stat is a plus or what have you. It's just, you know, did you did you make a good play, a play above average, or was it below average? I don't give any credit for an average NFL play. And through the first 13 games, uh, Matthew Judon, I had him for 69 plus plays, 22 minus plays. That's an incredible ratio. That's that's all pro, pro bowl type level. In the last four games, I have him for seven plus plays and 14 minus plays. So, you know, look, that's where they are. We all know the Patriots have gone one and three down the stretch with the only win being over the Jaguars. The, they, they played against three 
playoff caliber teams. Only one team is actually going to the playoffs, lost all three. And uh, the defense is having trouble. Mac Jones is having trouble. But uh, that's all over with now. The season's over with. They did what they did. They are where they are. Now they're going to Buffalo on Saturday night to play in frigid temperatures. And we're looking ahead to that matchup and, and you know, sort of talking about, let's talk about how they can win this game. I'm sick of talking about how bad they are and how they've been bad and how they've blown chances. These are all factual. These are all true. But let's talk about how they might actually win this game come Saturday night. Coming up later on on the show, we will also break down the other five wild card games across the NFL. Also get to our bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. But as Greg mentioned, we start with a path to victory for the New England Patriots. What has to go right for New England to eke out an upset in Buffalo and take two out of three from the Bills this season? And it's something, just, just quickly, to use what we discussed from the Miami game early, you can't turn the ball over. Right, That Mac Jones interception that led to a touchdown, clear as day, telegraph throw into Xavier Howard's hands. It's got to start there. Patriots can't turn the ball over, Greg. Absolutely. That's that's the number one thing, and it's not any sort of rocket science or anything like that. But the, the Patriots have been a much, much better team when they win the turnover margin. So far this season, they are 8-0. They are they, even last year with Cam Newton in that team. They were six and zero when they won the turnover margin. Uh, so they are undefeated in their last fourteen games when they win the turnover margin. So they need to they need to stop there. Now, you know, look, the weather on Saturday night is is going to factor into this. It's going to be the same for both teams. I don't think that Buffalo necessarily has any advantage because they're from Buffalo. Um, I do think they have a little bit of an advantage because I think their quarterback is built much better to play in these conditions due to his uh, mobility, his power running ability, mm-hmm. his, you know, just his size, his arm strength, all that stuff. But, you know, that's where they need to start. Mac Jones uh, needs to start fast. He cannot do what he did in the first half. He can't do the, you know, first the interception on his first pass attempt on a very simple coverage can't can't fumble a snap from center. I don't care who the center is. Um, but that's where offensively they just can't turn the ball over, you know, and and then it's sort of once they do that, then I think that gives them a decent chance to win this game. So on the other side of the token, the goal would be to turn over Josh Allen. No interceptions this season against the Patriots in the two games. Did lose a fumble in that 14-10 win in early December. Um, you think, though, there's a possibility Dayball, the offensive coordinator, can throw a little curveball into the game plan in such a way where it could uh, it could maybe put Josh Allen in a vulnerable spot? At least the Patriots are going to have to figure out what Dayball is trying to do with Josh Allen. Yeah, but I think, I think to me, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator of the Bills, who used to be an assistant here, uh, of course, everybody knows that. Um, I think he's been one of the biggest factors in how the Bills have played successfully played the Patriots the last couple of years, winning three of four. Um, his work with Josh Allen speaks for itself. Uh, I do not think that Josh Allen would have been the same quarterback or had the rise that he has with a different type of coordinator. I think Dayball has 
he sets Josh Allen up for success. And I thought in the last matchup, uh, and you often see this with former Patriots assistants, they have a good idea of, hey, this is what Bill is telling the guys in the meetings. This is what they're going to try to do. Josh, this is what they're going to try to do to you. Uh, So that is going on. And I thought Brian Dayball basically anticipated every counter punch that the Patriots were going to have in that game. And he had an answer. As far as the curveball, I think it's up to the Patriots to throw the, the, the bills, a curveball that okay. they have to anticipate that they, they're not going to do the same thing that they did last time. Dayball is going to have something dialed up for the Patriots, whatever the Patriots tendencies are. Uh, Dayball is going to have an answer for that. The Patriots need to go against tendency. And to me, the biggest thing I'm trying to do and one of the biggest criticisms I had of the Patriots in the last matchup, there's not enough speed on the field. If I am them, I am putting defensive backs all over the field. I, If I had my druthers, because look, if they see a bunch of defensive backs on the field and they want to run the ball every time, good, go ahead. That, that plays into my mindset as the Patriots. But if I'm the Patriots, I'm going with five guys up on the line up front uh, you know, putting a linebacker would probably be like, we'll see if Barmore is going to be healthy. I know he's been out there in practice this week. I think it's dubious. I think he's a decoy. I don't think he's going to be able to do much on Saturday night. I have no inside information on that. And I could be totally wrong, but that's what I believe. But, you know, guys like, you know, Dietrich Wise and Judon and, and Van Noy, I would put Hightower on an end instead of at linebacker, you know, that sort of thing. And then I'm going with six defensive backs. And I'm putting Kyle Duggar or Adrian Phillips at middle linebacker. Uh, you know, that guy's got to spy Josh Allen. Other than that, I'm playing very physical on the outside. And, you know, you just have to give the Bills something that – and Josh Allen something that they're not anticipating because Brian Dayball is so good at setting Josh Allen up for success mm-hmm. that you need to throw them a curveball and Josh Allen a curveball. And then all of a sudden – Maybe he turns the ball over a couple times to you, which to me is is of paramount importance in this game. They have to get turnovers for the Bills. They have to win the turnover margin. So just to counter to that, are you at all concerned about Jalen Mills and Sean Wade who are on the COVID list? Just in the sense that even if they are active, maybe that they've missed some reps, conditioning. Is that all something you factor in when you look at defensive backs trying to throw that wrinkle curveball? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, okay. I, I think, you know, whatever you have, you go with, um, you know, whether that's, you, know, is... you put Justin Bethel, Cody Davis, you know, okay. special teamers out there, like whatever it's, you know, give me more speed. Give me guys who can tackle, which the special team guys can do. And, you know, I worry about, you know, sort of matchups later. Okay. Um, so we'll keep an eye on those things. That was as of uh, this morning, those updates on Wade and um, Jalen Mills for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So before we keep going, you, you, you mentioned the weather. I think it's worth bringing up. It's going to be really, really cold. And, and you mentioned you mentioned how it could be, of course, don't turn the ball over from a Mac Jones standpoint. But you, you said in our, our pre-show discussion about how it could be tricky. What do you mean by that? In the sense that y- you feel that to generate any kind of passing game, you find that worrisome because of how cold it's going to be. Yeah, I just think it's you, you want you just you don't know 
look, we still don't have the answer on whether Mac Jones can play in these type of conditions. I mean, right. you know, I don't think he's been great the colder it's been. So, you know, can you count on Mac Jones making plays through the air and not turning the ball over? You know, how's the ball going to come out? You know, I could tell you that whatever the they will be watching, the coaches will be watching, and they did this, um, they do this every game, but especially when weather conditions are important, they will watch Mac Jones intently in pregame warm-ups. Basically, they watched him in the first Buffalo game, terrible wind conditions, we know that. But they watched Mac Jones in the warm-ups and were like, we can't throw the ball. Or like, you know, we can only throw the ball with the wind. That's the only thing that we can do. He's not powering the ball. It was not going well. So they will watch him in warm-ups to see how is the ball coming out of his hands? How does our arm look? Is it loose? Is it free? Uh, is he going to be cold? And then, you know, the football just gets harder, you know, in those conditions. So even the running game, ball security is going to be paramount. Uh, the Patriots at, at running back have done a really nice job for the most part uh, the last, like, you know, since about week four, they've done a really nice job in that regard. Um, and and the Bills can get a little loose with the ball. That's Allen and the running backs. So, to me, that's an advantage for the Patriots. But you really got to gauge Mac Jones in this weather. I'm not, I'm not optimistic on him being uh, excelling in these conditions. So, the Patriots are going to have to watch that. About two days out from kickoff, temperatures and looking at the latest forecast in Buffalo, six to eight degrees may fall a degree or two during the game. A breeze of five to 10 miles per hour, wind chill values, making it feel like it's below zero. That is the latest. So it's going to be very cold. I think that's, yep. we, we're confident in that, uh, that sentiment at this stage. So another talking point um, for the Patriots, and you mentioned their running game, New England's running game, rush discipline, you think is a key to this game as well for the Patriots to have success. Yeah. Sort of on both sides of the ball. I think yeah. that I, I have a lot of confidence in the Patriots running game. I think, um, and I think it was maybe come a, on for Buffalo as of late. Yep. Last couple yep. games. Now yeah, he hasn't run well the, against the Patriots, but he's run well yeah, they, in the last like five weeks. Yeah. They've, they, they've run the ball well, uh, of late. They're trying to run the ball more, uh, which is good. And that's basically, this team is basically built, uh, you know, as sort of a shotgun spread, gun run type of team. That's the way they're built. That's what they should do. That's what they should do against the Patriots. That's what I said. I kept asking all season. I said, when are they going to go against a team that just spreads them out and, you know, picks them apart with a short passing game and goes gun runs out of shotgun? And that's exactly what the Bills did last time. You know, Devon Gotchow had a tremendous game last time uh, against the Bills up there. And he did a really yeah. nice job. Um, I he was not the same way. He has not been the same player since, uh, you know, they need to win. The bills surprisingly won that matchup against the offensive lines in the, in, in the last game. And I did not think that was possible, but I'm most concerned about the Patriots and their pass rush discipline. It was freaking horrible in the last bills game. I mean, you know, and this goes to our Judon struggles. Matthew Judon has had plays like the Tua third and eight scramble. He's had a lot of them in the last month where he is just running by the quarterback and you can bitch and complain and start Twitter accounts all you want for Matthew Judon being held. Ain't going to matter. Like it's not going to matter if, if you think he's getting held and the Patriots lose, they're still going to lose in a week. So what are you bitching about? Like you should be asking why the hell is he back there? Why is he in a position to be held? He shouldn't be, he should be right in front of the offensive lineman 
holding him, and then waiting until the last second to go after the quarterback. Instead, he's just coming behind him. He's out of the play. Two is leaking out. Same thing in, uh, against Buffalo the last time out. You know, whether it's Godchow or uh, or Christian Barmore or Matthew Judon, guys are just, I don't know the reason, but they're just saying, I don't really care about the scheme. I don't care about staying in my lane. I'm going after the quarterback. I'm trying to make a big play. That's great. I understand that. Sometimes they will make a play. But there's a reason why the Patriots start with these game plans. And they need to to squeeze Josh Allen. And it does makes no good somebody to go for him. Josh Allen makes a move, and all of a sudden he, he ran for 62 yards last time. And a lot of them were really crucial, let alone the plays that he would make once he got outside the pocket, throwing the ball or shovel passes and stuff like that. You got to keep him in there. You got to squeeze him down. And if if Judon and Barmore and those guys do what they did last time, they got no hope. They're never going to get off the field, just like they did when the Bills didn't punt. So one of the huge things in this game, and we'll see ultimately what the buy-in level is on this defense with these guys, because I don't have a lot of faith with the new guys. I think it's part of the reason why the season has gone down the tubes. Those guys have to buy in. It has to be a do-your-job game because if not, the the Bills aren't going to punt again and the Patriots are going to get wiped off the field. To Greg's point, Godshaw had 10 total tackles to lead the Patriots in the game in Buffalo back on December 6th. Six solo tackles. Judon with two quarterback hits. Barmore had a quarterback hit. So the buy-in was evident at that stage. So something else we want to talk about, and we did a little bit of this on Tuesday, discussing – the new pieces, and they're not new to, to the Bills, but they're new to the Patriots-Bills head-to-head matchup this year, the additions of Beasley and Gabriel Davis to the wide receiving core mm-hmm. for Buffalo. Also, just the latest on Manny Sanders. As of two days ago, he was back at practice in full go. So it feels like Buffalo's going to have their full arsenal of receivers. Patriots defensively, you feel they got to get physical with these uh, Buffalo receivers. That was a huge problem in the last game. I mean, it was basically a flag football game out there. And, you know, maybe the Patriots were rope-a-doping him, thinking, like, we might see him in the playoffs, so we're going to we're gonna try something different, but this isn't our real tactic. I'm fearful that, yeah. judging on the year and what they've done, especially since the Gilmore trade and Jonathan Jones injury, that this was indicative of the Patriots saying, we can't match up. We can't match up with these guys. We're going to hang in zone. We're not going to touch them. We don't want to get burned. We don't want to give up big plays. You know, eventually Josh Allen will throw us one, which he did to J.C. Jackson, and he dropped it. And he had a couple other near-interception plays. Uh, I, I don't see how that works uh, with with this Bills team, with Josh Allen up in Buffalo. I think that the Patriots have to get physical at the line of scrimmage. They have to reroute guys. They have to throw up the timing. If Josh Allen thinks he has a guy and all of a sudden he's locked up, now that's when you get panicked, Josh Allen, when he starts looking around and he gets a little bit frantic. When guys are just free-releasing and free to run their routes, Josh Allen's very comfortable. you got to make Josh Allen uncomfortable. Squeeze the pocket. Reroute guys. Throw off his timing that he thinks he's going to have. And God damn it, (laughs) Brendan. Anybody crosses the field in a five-yard box, somebody hits somebody. Knock somebody's block off. You can't – Isaiah McKenzie's running right by Kyle Duggar like three times in that game. Of course, Miles Bryant isn't going to be able to cover him for 20 yards. 
Like, the, if the pass rush isn't going to be there, then the Patriots have to do something. Be physical. Those guys, linebackers, safety should be looking. Hey, is somebody coming across? If so, I'm lighting him up. And then all of a sudden, Josh Allen sees that. Then he gets panicked. Those type of things. So the big things on defense for me are rush discipline and being physical uh, with the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, everybody in that game. Craig just wants to be happy. He'll come in. He's look. He's watched a bunch of film here, and he he has admitted on multiple platforms that he will be a happier a happier guy if the Patriots show him good things on film. Hell yeah! Defensively, offensively, I think what this entire fan base, folks that cover the teams, uh, cover the team, the Patriots. I think we can all agree on this. They've got to get a lead. Like just just a, something outside of the Jacksonville game that doesn't count. But like the last four weeks, it's like oh my goodness, this playing from behind. So we have our gripes with the defense, rightfully so. Yep. Offensively, maybe they can give this defense a jump start, which I feel, in my opinion, that hasn't been the case much of the year. The defense has kind of had to set the tone uh, for this football team, and they've relied on that. That's how they were built, rightfully so. So offensively, kind of now I'm asking the how and the why. How can they? get out to a fast start and keep this Buffalo defense guessing. Yeah. I think if I'm the Patriots, I'm going against uh, sort of, you know, what I put on film and my nature and offensively. And I'm, I'm spreading things out. I'm getting out of the two back two tight end, all that stuff. I'm going to throw the bills a curveball on offense. Also, uh, I would come out just to shock the system a little bit, throw, throw a counter punch. Uh, you know, just like, you know, defensively, we talked about the things that they need to do to sort of, you know, throw Josh Allen off kilter, throw Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott off kilter, come out, shotgun spread, go no huddle to start the game. Um, you know, I would not dial in a shot the next play and we'll talk about it next. I would do that, but I would come out and say, look, what are they expecting? I think the Patriots have largely, uh, coach conservative on defense, you know, with their, they have, ba- Brennan, they have barely blitzed in like the last like six weeks, unless it's like the Jaguars or something like that. And they, they know that they're over, they can overmatch the offensive line. But, you know, I think they had like a 10% blitz rate against the Dolphins, against Tua. And a lot of that has to do with what the Dolphins do offensively. But, um, you know, just, let it so they've been conservative in their coverage and things like that on defense because they they don't have confidence in what they have. You know, change the script there. Just you gotta, like, throw, the first, you gotta when, throw the first punch. Exactly. You know, yeah. throw them a curveball on defense. Offensively, I come out. I might even take the if I win the toss, I might even take the ball. Um, you know, just to say, just to be eager to land the first punch. Because they too often of late they've been taking the punches early. I take yeah. I win the toss. I take the ball. I say, you know what? We're gonna go shotgun spread, no huddle. Let Mac dink and dunk down the field. Uh, the go. Bills, I'm sure, are ready for. Hey, they're gonna come out and try to power us with the running game. So we're gonna get our you know big lineup, our linebackers. Fine. They want Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano and AJ Klein on the field. Fine. Spread them the hell out. I don't care. Go out there with two backs. Go with Ramondae Stevenson and Brandon Bolden so you had the linebackers on the field. Shotgun spread, Mac, dink and dunk down the field. Get off to a good start and sort of shock the Bills system that way. That's something that I would look at. And They almost kind of have to, or they 
they fall into this this grouping that we do to the rest of the league around here. Well, they're just doing what they do, right? right. Like, if you get Good caught point. doing that, based on how you've looked since the beginning of December, well, then you're just like every other team in the league and you don't get it, right? So that's why the criticism has kicked in here the last couple of weeks. If they come out and try to be a little different and, like you mentioned, go off script to throw your common opponent for, for, a, for a throw a curveball at them, they get credit for that. Uh, it feels like they, like you said, it's almost like just empty the tank at this stage. So it leads to mm-hmm. your last point, just breaking down the game. Maybe if, if they get some confidence with what you're talking about, dink and dunk, let Mac get comfortable, shotgun, spread them out, and try to catch them off guard that way, a go big or go home approach. Yeah, I think that the Patriots need to be uber aggressive when they get when they get the opportunity. I mean, I would come out, go shotgun, spread the first series. The second series, and this is what the Patriots normally do, They especially early in games, they'll try a tactic and then change something else just to see how the Bills are going to defend them uh, personnel-wise to see if there's something they can exploit later in the game. But, you know, at some point, first play, I'm going, you know, you get loaded up, go, you know, play action up top to Aguilar or Bourne or somebody, some sort of big play. And here's the important thing. Because Mac has had these opportunities and he's been, and he even talked about it this week, like that he's got to stay with the play. He's got to stay with the scheme that sometimes he's a little bit too quick to take the check down. And that has been a theme say in the last like six games or so Mac needs to go Mac McDaniels needs to tell Mac Jones, like, look, when we run this play, we're giving you max protection. We're going to keep this guy in. We're going to keep this guy in. Don't worry about the protection. The Bills aren't that good with the pass rush. As long as they're not blitzing, take the deep shot. Like some, you got to take deep shot sometimes, at least to put it in the defense's mind, put it in the safety's mind a little bit. Now all of a sudden, some things open up a little bit, but they're gonna have to need to go deep early. I'm not big on airing it out. I'm not one of these guys who criticizes McDaniel's. Like, why haven't you been there? Look, the coaches know what they have. And there's a reason why they don't do certain things with Mac Jones. It's because they don't have a high level of confidence that it's going to be efficient, that it's going to work out. So you have to take, they see them every day in practice. You have to take what they do and understand that. But in a game like this, you got to leave it all out there. You got to put the game in the hands of your players and it's time for Mac to sort of nut up and make some big plays in this game. Agreed. And, if they don't, don't they kind of look at it, if, especially if they lose, but don't they look at it and go, well, maybe we maybe we didn't turn the kid loose just enough. I'm, we're not saying turn the kid loose from on a scale of 1 to 10 to, to an 11, but maybe like a 6. Like, see what you got? I don't know. I, I, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, hey, could be the last go around. Right. You know, why not go out with guns blazing? The very least, that if they're going to make any run, I don't mean to look ahead, they're going to have to do something – of the like uh, to, to make a run, right? A run constitutes more than just a win, but they got to get through this week. Um, yep. So that's basically what we've got for, for this game, uh, really breaking it down. That's good stuff. Um, how about some coaching stuff? Because we haven't heard, and there's really not much, unless <laughs> unless you've, you've watched this uh, I Am Athlete podcast that features... <laughs> Uh, Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, very outspoken about a lot of, a lot of different discussions. I think this is, um, 
Brandon Marshall's podcast that he runs. It's an entertainment yeah. podcast. It's kind of like Cam Newton's sip and smoke thing. They got cigars, yep. the wine's flowing. The, and, you know, when that wine starts kicking in, you, you just you say what you want. Um, mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff on Josh McDaniels when he was the coach in Denver um, from some players there. But uh, I guess it relates to this point that not much has been said about Josh McDaniels as a prospective head coach again in the NFL. Yeah, yeah it's uh... – it's a little bit surprising, not that surprising. I mean, you know, look, the Broncos tenure uh, was rough. The decision to back away from the Colts, uh, Colts was, um, you know, another right tough thing that is, is you know, it's it's tough to get an owner. The rivalry's like, yeah. back on. I, I'm really, I'm really high on Josh McDaniels. Didn't he accept the job of the Colts and then walk away? Um so that's tough. Uh, I, I do. I, I think this. I think. I think everybody at this point, and McDaniel's has interviewed for you know some jobs in the past. I think people understand that, um, or at least it's been communicated, maybe through McDaniel's agent, uh, that McDaniel's only wants certain opportunities, and it's got to be something where he knows the personnel department is lined up with what his vision. That means basically. He needs a Patriots-like person and personnel that understands they're they're looking for the same thing. Maybe somebody that he's worked with. Those those opportunities are becoming limited and limited. I mean, with Brian Flores getting fired, uh, Joe Judge getting fired. I mean, let's just say that the Patriots assistants uh, aren't exactly um, hot right now. It, it, you know, so maybe they're that's all out of the also, league. I, I know they well, really are. Of, it's like Nick Casario is like. Out of coaching jobs, out of head yeah. coaching jobs. Yeah. You know, you would think that a perfect marriage would be like Nick Casario and McDaniels in Houston. Houston. Right. But, you know, with the Jack Easterby factor, I, I don't think that's advisable for Josh. And, and, and Deshaun you know, you, now, like, yeah. Now you're hoping, now if you're McDaniels, you're hoping that like Elliot Wolf is going to be interviewing in Chicago, I think a couple other places for the GM jobs. Uh, maybe Elliot Wolf, who I think a lot of, I covered him with the Packers as well. He's here with the Patriots. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe Dave Ziegler gets a job. Bedard or, is, uh, he'll be, uh, he's, the Vikings are also in on him too. Yep. Yeah. And he's from, he, he spent a long time with the Packers. His dad, of course, was Ron Wolf, a legendary front office guy. Uh, so there's, at this point, and the also the other factor that you have to keep in mind is like Bill Belichick is not like as opposed to say like Bruce Arians or somebody. Bill Belichick ain't getting on the phone with some team right now while he's preparing for a playoff game and being like, "Hey, you need to, you know and selling somebody on Josh McDaniels." It ain't happening. That's Belichick is so dialed in. That's how the whole Indianapolis fiasco uh, came about because. Belichick never talked to McDaniels about what he thought about him until the season was over and Josh was packing his bags to go to Indy. And now all of a sudden he hears all these nice things from him and Kraft. And it's like, Oh, well, yeah, this would have been nice information before, but that's just the way Belichick is, you know? And so, you know, Belichick could get on the horn. I'm sure the mayors would listen to him, even though he I was just going to say Judge. that. Didn't, didn't Bill <laughs> do that a little bit for Joe judge though? Correct me yeah, if I'm wrong, but did. that was after the season. It was, it was, it was weird timing. And I think it's been a while since we talked about it on this podcast, but what happened was the Patriots reached the end of that season. 
and that and just for point of clarification, that was when they lost to that was Brady's last year. So they were done. Twenty nineteen. Yep. They were mm-hmm. done. They were done in early January. Yep. So that actually so, it worked out well timing wise. They weren't in the yeah. middle of. They weren't the first week of February. Is my point. so so requests went out and. McDaniels and Joe, Joe Judge had talked to Mississippi State by that time and was offered the head coaching right. job. Uh, McDaniels had interviews lined up with, I think, the Giants, the Panthers, and somebody else. And according to my league sources, the Panthers looked like they were hot on McDaniels. Everybody there thought it was going to be McDaniels. And then all of a sudden, Matt Rule came, and he strong mm-hmm. arm him with the Giants. Interview. But, but, but in terms of Judge and McDaniels, basically they get to the end of the season – Belichick is like, look, I understand. I'm going to prove all these interviews, what have you. Uh, you know, just finish your work, and you can start interviews on Tuesday. I mean, on Monday, I think that's what the timing was. On Monday, finish your TPS reports on the season, reviews, player grades, stuff like that, and then you can do whatever you want on Tuesday. That's what the that's the way we are operating. Joe Judge goes to Belichick and says, look, I got this offer from Mississippi State. Before I accept it, I'd really like to talk to the Giants. Is that okay? Yeah, you can do that. And so Joe Judge is talking to the Giants. McDaniels is doing his work. And then all of a sudden, Joe Judge strongs arms the Giants say, like, look, either you offer me the job or I'm going to Mississippi State. And they offer him the job. And meanwhile, McDaniels doesn't know any of this, and he's just doing his work. And so, and yes, Bill Belichick gave Joe Judge a very strong uh, recommendation. It was also, I think you could say, advantageous to Bill Belichick that at a time when Tom Brady was leaving and there was uncertainty at the quarterback position, that it was nice that his longtime offensive coordinator didn't have many options in the job market uh, right. at that point. So, you know, believe what you will, but that's sort of the way things went down. I mean, I think, I think the the the, the Giants should say, screw what just happened. Look, we messed up with Joe Judge. It was too soon with him. I'm, Josh McDaniels is the best candidate out there. He learned so much from Denver. He knows how to develop. He's developed so many quarterbacks here. Garoppolo helped Brady, Castle, you know, even got something out of Cam Newton for a while. Uh, Mac Jones, of course. And you align him. Bring, bring Josh McDaniels in with somebody from the Patriots, like Elliot Wolf or somebody like that. Whichever team is smart enough to do that, that team is cooking with gas, and they're going to need, uh, be the next great team. But until that time, teams are a bunch of morons, and, and McDaniels is not going to have appeal to teams with general managers, strong general managers or general managers who want to stay in power. Those guys, Trent Falke, um, George Payton in Denver, you know, wherever the GMs are already in place and they're looking for a coach, they don't want Josh McDaniels because they know Josh has his own ideas. It's going to end up like Brian Flores and, uh, and Chris Greer in Miami, where Brian Flores is, has a strong, very belief in what he wants to do as a coach, and it butts heads with the general manager because they don't see, the see, see things the same way. So we'll see on Josh. I'm not optimistic that he's going to get hired this time around, but you know because teams and owners are stupid. Before we do our lightning round around the rest of the league, five wild card games outside of Patriots Bills this coming weekend. Do you want to weigh in on the latest on Gerard Mayo? He was available to the media the other day, said all the right things, uh, grateful to be considered uh, for the Denver Broncos. Any developing thought on Mayo as a head coaching candidate? 
Yeah, I think he's very appealing. He's smart. He knows how to run a room uh, for the teams and general managers looking for a leader of men uh, more than anything. And there's something to be said for that. Excuse me. Um, Gerard would appeal to that. He's very ambitious. I think that he would take just about any head coaching opportunity that he is um, is given. Uh, I think it's way too soon for him. It's the same sort of advice I had for Brian Flores when he went down to Miami. I did not like Stephen Ross as an owner. I didn't think there was enough stability. And I also thought Brian Flores could have used a season or two more as a defensive coordinator. I would, if I'm Gerard, I'm at least, I would, you know, if I don't accept the head coaching job for and I'm, I'm offered, I'm at least going to Belichick and trying to get the defensive coordinator label here i'm at least using that as leverage and i doubt that he'll do that i think he'll just take the job but um you know good candidate he just better make sure you know look at these other guys can't just jump at anything look at joe judge you gotta you gotta get the right opportunity all right before we go to uh around the league greg let's learn more about uh bet online yeah bet online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs, through the playoffs, and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all sports wagering for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, I've got bet online pulled up right now with the other five games going down this weekend. Of course, the Raiders and Bengals play the afternoon game before Patriots Bills, three games on Sunday, and then a Monday night wild card game. Cardinals at Rams. So we'll go right in order based on the schedule and uh, just give our thoughts, a game pick, and just some quick discussion on each game. Raiders-Bengals. This opened as a touchdown game, and now all of a sudden the Bengals are just five-point favorites uh, with the Raiders coming in off the emotional Sunday night game against the Chargers. That was uh, that was something. What do you make of this game? It's the first test for Joe Burrow in the postseason, and Derek Carr has been eager to get there as well. Yeah, I don't uh... – I don't love this matchup for the the Bengals in terms of I, I think they're going to have a tough time in this game. I think that uh, guys like Max Crosby, some of the guys on the Raiders offensive line, the Bengals offensive line isn't very good. Max Crosby is a guy uh, that I've watched on film for a while. I've said a couple years ago, I said, he reminds me of like J.J. Watt Jr. That's, that's how he plays. That's how good. I mean, he's not J.J. Watt in his prime, but he's pretty damn good. And he's a guy that can wreck a game, wreck Joe Burrow all by himself. I don't love the, the, the Raiders' defensive scheme. I think Gus Bradley, the way he plays defense with his cover three, old school Seattle, it's played out. And, and the Bengals and Joe Burrow and those weapons should be able to slice and dice it. So if the Raiders lose, it's likely going to be on their, on their defense. I'm not a big Derek Carr guy either. Okay. I think he misses a lot of big plays. Like, he checks it down when he does have chances. But I will say I like the way the Raiders are playing. I like their mentality. I think they're kind of going with, we're not even supposed to be here. We lost our coach. We, all this stuff has happened to us. We're not even supposed to be here, so let's just let, let it all hang out. I think 
those type of teams are very dangerous. And I think you have the potential with the Bengals, uh, you know, a little pucker factor here being at home and the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff game. I think since I was in high school, like 1991, I think Glasheen was probably in diapers. If he was even born yet, uh, it was 90 or 92. 90. You were born in 92. Yeah. That was the, my high school graduation year. You baby. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> I, I like to, I, I'm going to take the Raiders, uh, okay. with the points in this. And I'm looking at about a field goal game in this one. I could also see an over 48 and a half points in this game. Like two teams just happy yeah. to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, now you could, the counter argument to that would be just absolute jitters and two offenses that can't get it going. But to me, it feels like both teams are just like, great, we're here. Let's do what we do. And look, I give the Raiders a lot of credit how they pieced together that receiving group, given what that group's gone through. Um, you're not a big car. I mean, car to me off the field has been, he's kind of a good story. I think he's, he's got those guys bought in. Yeah. I'll say that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, I think he's a great guy and he means well, I just think, I just think he's missing something in his loins when it comes to the biggest moments. I just, you know, and he gets a little well, choky. That's all. He's got a shot and you think they're going to cover. So we'll see. Yep. We'll get, we'll get a good game. Three games on Sunday and old friend, Tom Brady and the bucks. This is disrespectful to Brady, by the way, burying him at one o'clock against Philadelphia on a <laughs> Sunday. Um, these two teams did meet on Thursday night football early in the season. It was a touchdown spread and, Someone here on this podcast may have bet Tampa to cover, and they didn't because Philly decided to go for two at the end of the game. And that's the mm. Doug Peterson crap from a couple years ago. He should have been ready for that. Anyway, uh, Bucks are eight and a half point favorites. Totals at forty five and a half. Just some quick notes on this game. Philly's got a bunch of guys coming back from the COVID list, so don't consider what they look like against Dallas. That was just a that game Dallas had against them on Saturday night. That was just a uh, that was a training camp practice for crying out loud for Dallas. The way that game went out, and for the Bucks, Levante David, Leonard Fournette, Gio Bernard, I think Shaq Barrett as well, all expected to be back. What do you think about this game? Uh, I think, I think the it's Eagles a sneaky. It's a it's a sneaky line. It's 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 kind of yeah, it is something smells. I think that the Eagles have an opportunity to make Brady uncomfortable with their uh, with their line and their talent mm-hmm. uh, on their defensive line. It's the type of team that you know bothers Brady. You know Fletcher Cox and those guys. Like you know he's a freaking he's a pain in the ass. Um, you know uh, you know Barnett and Sweat and Hargrave up front. That's the t- you know the Bucks have a good line, but if if the Bucks have trouble in this game, it's because Tom Brady is uncomfortable and right. you know, you know, we know he's lost a lot of weaponry there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just Tampa one o'clock. I think that's an advantage for them because it's in the sun, as opposed to the, the Patriots played at Miami uh, at night, largely with a four twenty five start a one o'clock Good game point. adds to yep. the, that's a weird ass place. Tampa It's tough to go in and we win. I've seen that. I've been, I covered a bunch of games there. Something funky always happens in those games. Uh, I I like the I like the the Bucks with the points. I think they're going to cover. And one note on that game, we've talked about weather with Buffalo and New England. Well, apparently it might rain a crap ton as well. But in Florida, rain is a really hard thing to like mess around with. So if you are into the weather <laughs> yeah. thing, I would wait on this game if you think it plays a factor. Um, maybe they'll run the ball. Maybe that helps Philadelphia because Hurts is a, a mobile quarterback. 
um afternoon game this to me is like the game of the weekend i think just from a brand yep. just it's gonna look good on tv niners at cowboys cowboys are currently laying three points um i guess we're gonna find out uh, what you think of uh mike mccarthy dak prescott more more so about mccarthy right prescott's got yep. a little cushion because it's his first year back from the injury and uh Jimmy G with the come from behind win, even though it was mostly his fault uh, against the Rams. So what do you think about this game? Yeah, I, uh, I know, you know, you weren't even born yet, but this, this stuff brings me back to my childhood. I mean, Niners, Cowboys, those classic helmets, uh, you know, not only brings me back to the eighties and those matchups with Danny White and, and, uh, and Joe Montana and those great teams, Tom Landry and Bill Walsh, but also, you know, the nineties with, uh, you know, whether it was T.O. and, you know, Steve Young and Jeff yeah. Garcia. I mean, those were always classic games. So this is a classic rivalry. I love it. Uh, I think that the Niners, I like Shanahan and I like Shanahan in the coaching matchup a lot in this game. I like their defense more than the Cowboys. I think that Shanahan knows Shanahan coached under Dan Quinn the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys right. in Atlanta. Right. I think he knows a lot of what he's going to try to do, even though Quinn, Quinn, to his credit, has changed a lot this year. He, As opposed to Gus Bradley, who we talked about earlier, a former Seahawks defense coordinator, Dan Quinn's actually run a lot more man and things like that than normal D, uh, Seattle defensive guys. So, you know, I just think – I think Shanahan wins the coaching matchup. You know, Mike McCarthy's a guy I respect. I don't love a lot of his in-game decisions. Um, and here's the other thing, and this is not any sort of uh, football analysis. I just picture a lot of shots of Jerry Jones on TV looking very concerned. A lot of shots of, like, Ooh. they're losing by two touchdowns, and it's Jerry's face on the TV. I just see that happening a lot. I could just see – Brendan, wouldn't it just be fitting that, you know, Jerry and his stadium and he wins the division and he's got Micah Parsons and he's got Dak and all of a sudden they lay some giant egg at home in the postseason. That would just be fitting to what the Cowboys have been since, you know, Jimmy Johnson was forced out there. You can get the Niners on the money line on betonline.ag at plus 139 and they have the shortest odds of all underdogs this weekend. So that's mm. kind of indicating what Greg's talking about. That there's one team that folks think could blow it, the favorite to blow it. It's Dallas, based on the line. Okay, the next one is Pittsburgh at Kansas City and the big news of the week. News, because he said it himself. Ben Roethlisberger basically said, we're not supposed to be here. We're going to be like 20-point underdogs, and we're supposed to lose. So of course, I think he's just playing mind games and having fun with it with the media. But uh, I don't know. Do, do you give Pittsburgh a sniff? against Kansas City? No. Kansas City wins. Uh, you know, they might – the Steelers might cover the points maybe with a late, like, junk score. They're sort of ec- experts at, at doing that. Backdoor, um, baby. But mm-hmm. but the Chiefs are not going to be challenged in this game. Roth, I, I, I think it's much more likely that the, the Steelers are shut out or they score, like, one touchdown than them actually be in the game at the end of the game. Steel, uh, we just did that one. Cardinals Rams is the Monday night game. So that Steelers Chiefs game is the 8-15 kick on Sunday night. Cardinals Rams, Rams minus four. Um, to me, just before you weigh in, I, I think mm-hmm. this is a game where I would take the under I would take the points with Arizona because there is a lot of pressure 
on this Rams team. You could argue the Rams outside of the Cowboys. This the, the team that has the most pressure on them this weekend is, is the Rams with all the buy-in from the from this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they there's a lot on the line. They just it wasn't the Rams just added Eric Weddle uh, yes. out of retirement at safety. Yep. Who I I love Eric Weddle. He's one of my favorite players to watch on film over the years. Um, I don't think he can really hurt all that much. He can definitely help. Um, this, these are two teams that split their regular season matchups. Uh, Cardinals won the first one, 37-20. Uh, the Rams won the second one. Looks like it was a Sunday night game, 30-23. That first, that first win for Arizona, I think, was when everyone was like, okay, Arizona might be for real. And then that, yeah. to me, that might have been their big – outside of their win against Dallas a few weeks ago, that was probably the biggest win of the year for Arizona. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kyler Murray, uh, if I remember correctly, he threw two interceptions in that game. I think they were, like, really bad. And uh, let's see, L.A. was leading 27-13 basically at the end of the third quarter. Uh, Matthew Stafford was 23-30, 287, three touchdowns in that game, probably one of his best games of the season. Uh, Murray threw for 383 but had to do a lot of work to come back. And Uh, no Hopkins, no Hopkins in this game. No Hopkins. He's out. No Hopkins. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have a lot. Look, things have not gone as scripted with the Rams this year with Matthew Stafford, and he's been part of the problems at times. And I think he's pretty beat up like he normally is at the end of seasons. But uh, I have a lot more confidence in Sean McVay. Okay. Uh, you know, as far as the coaching matchup goes in this game, and uh, I think the, the Rams have more ways to win this game. And I think the Cardinals only have have it on the back of uh, Kyler Murray. And I just don't think you can do it consistently against that Rams defense. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think Arizona can still cover. And, and, and just the point on Stafford, what he what he has done a good job of for most of the year is if he's turning the ball over, it's early in the game until we saw this past Sunday throws a pick in overtime. So his mistakes have not been at the end of games. Um, And if he can be a game manager and prevent making mistakes at all, of course, but earlier as opposed to late, that should bode well for the Rams. All right. We have to give our game pick for Patriots bills. Uh, I think it's now back up to four points. So the bills are laying four points Patriots on the money line plus plus one seventy five on betonline.ag. Totals at 44, which that's interesting because I thought it would move down as the week went on because yep. of the cold. But um, what do you think? What's your what's your pick? Uh, I have thought long about this, and I might think even more about this uh, as as it comes closer. So make sure you check out BSJ, and you know I will have uh, more work up to kickoff, um, including expansion on you know how the Patriots can win this game. I also have how they lose this game. Uh, I do not have a lot of confidence in this Patriots team. I can't, I can't ignore what has happened over the last month and say, well, they're going to play like they did in their seven-game winning streak. It doesn't normally work like that in football. Sort of, you know, who you are in the in the biggest games uh, during the regular season against the best opponents is sort of who you are in the postseason. And normally, when you get to the end of the season, a lot, the vast majority of the time, you say, well. It figures that's basically an encapsulation of their whole season. And so to me, I think the Patriots, when they, when the competition went up in the last month, I think the Patriots revealed themselves to be a team that 
uh, is led by a rookie quarterback who is a rookie quarterback and who is at the end of a very long, stressful, mentally challenging year. And he's not firing at all cylinders. Um, I think that uh, the defense has been completely revealed to be old, slow, can't cover, can't rush by the better teams, including this team. And this team is much – the Bills are much more talented than the Patriots. They have the ability to – their the Patriots' glaring weakness has been, all, been there all year if people wanted to look for it. It was what happens if their defense gets spread out. They can't do designer pressures, things like that. Uh, do I think they have a puncher's chance that Josh Allen will throw two or three interceptions or fumble in the game? Yes, and the Patriots will win if that happens. Um, I just think that Sean McDermott is smart enough to know that it's also the only way the Patriots win this game. I think they get a little bit more conservative. They don't really care uh, how they win the game, sort of like in the last matchup where the Bills, you know, they played wet really well for the most part, yet it was still a game. You know, at the end of the game, the Patriots get one stop. They could, you know, tie or take the lead. I think that McDermott's fine playing that way. And so to me, I think that we'll come out of this game saying, Yep, this is kind of who the Patriots were at the end of the last at the end of the season, very similar to the 2019 finish where they slumped down the stretch, they got to the playoffs largely uncompetitive and against the Titans uh in that game and they got run over. So, I am taking the Bills uh rather comfortably. I am taking them uh 27-17 in this game. Wow. So that puts it right at 44 points. Oh. There you go. My math is correct. That puts it right at the total of 44, which I, if I were to give a pick, see, I can avoid the picking you can the side do that. thing. Yeah. Avoid picking the side and uh, you can get the under at uh, 44. I just think that uh, there's some value there with the cold and in for a low score. If the page, if you were a Patriots fan and you think they got a shot in this game, they're going to run the football. Um, maybe do what we talked about earlier, spread them out and try to throw out a different look, but run the ball clock is your friend and maybe you get a low scoring game. But um, yeah, Buffalo certainly capable. Uh, but if they turn, if they can turn over Josh Allen, maybe that bodes well for an under. Uh, before yep. we go, it's time to get to our get to our BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ thirty nine ninety nine for on our annual plan. Not only do you get top notch analysis of all Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie and if you're listening to this podcast, which you are right now, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coach's film. He's not just making it up about Matt Judon. He's watching it, and he's just telling you what he sees. Had to get that in there. Direct access to him in weekly chats. Um, Emily, 224. Kind of, if you want to talk about just the the path to victory, which is how we started this show, um, Emily kind of maps out what the year has been and wonders, okay, well, we gotta we got to get off to a good start. Emily says, maybe this is some recency bias, but I feel like we look so much worse this last month than we did when we were two and four. We played Tampa, Dallas. We had a lead at some point during those games. Lately, we've been blown off the field in the beginning of games, claw back to make it not embarrassing, but ultimately lose. And the Colts and the Dolphins didn't even make the playoffs. So, Greg, I think it kind of just points to what we're talking about. You, you got to throw a wrinkle into your offensive game plan and get a lead. Yeah, I, I thought what was interesting that Emily brought up, and Emily's one of our great members at BSJ, contributes to not only does she comment on the articles, which we have uh, probably the cleanest commenting area you'll ever see on in online publications where 
Uh, it's actually not a cesspool and very much unlike Twitter, it's very civilized and people are actually, you know, our readers, our members are very smart and there's a good discourse there. Uh, and Emily's also active in our, she's always asking questions in our chat. So I appreciate uh, her input. I thought what was interesting about her comment was how she talked about like how earlier in the season, you know, they, they went toe to toe with Dallas and Tampa. They ultimately lost those games, but they were much different. There was a much different feel to those games and sort of like what happened to that team. Some of the stuff we talked about in the last pod, but I thought what was interesting is that, you know, this is why I think things are different. And we've talked about it in recent weeks. Um, to me, it's the buy-in level on the defense. Like, I just don't think it's there anymore. Matthew Judon, Barmer, we talked about it earlier. God Chow, um, you know, some of these guys, you know, like Kyle Duggar, Moore's, he, he's younger, doesn't really know all that he's supposed to be doing or how to react than, you know, just a dereliction of duty. But I do think, like, specifically – um, you know, Barmore at times, he's another rookie. He just, as a rookie, you default. This is why rookies don't play a lot on defense for the Patriots because you need to just do your job and you come with like these youthful impulses like, hey, I have an opening. I'm going to go for the quarterback. Well, that's not actually the best thing because guess what? Josh Allen's going to run for 50 yards if I do that. Uh, yeah. So I understand Christian Barmore making those errors and it's not an indictment on him. But guys like Matthew Judon and Devon Gotcha, who they gave a lot of money to, you know, those guys cannot play on their own and do their own thing. And I think earlier on in the season, they were doing the right thing. They were playing within the scheme of the defense. And I think uh, that combined with the turnovers, which you didn't see Mac early on in the season, to me, the reason for the turnovers later in the season, and I think he has six turnovers in his last four games, including the fumble, has to do with you know, being a little mentally fried. It's been a long, long process. There's a reason why. You don't see rookie quarterbacks even lead their teams to Super Bowls. Forget about winning one. It's hard. And now it's 17 games plus preseason and all that stuff. It's very hard. So to me, they are. They're a different team than they were early in the season. It's part of the reason why I don't think they're going to be successful on on Saturday night unless Josh Allen just completely vomits on himself, which people knowing me, I would be chuckling at and be being very uh, – I would be very happy about that. So – We'll see what happens. Not as cold, inclement weather, but just a couple weeks ago against Atlanta, he threw three interceptions. So, yep. See, going to be a cold night in Buffalo. Kickoff eight fifteen Saturday night. Patriots Bills. Greg, I think we, uh, I think we emptied the tank here. I think we've got yeah. pretty much everything out there as far as what we're going to expect in this game. Good stuff. And um, yeah, and you didn't even, you know, as as a young rookie, you know, at least you didn't turn the ball over in this uh, podcast, unlike some other rookies around here. So. Yeah, you you held on to the ball. Maybe that's a good sign for Mac come Saturday night. That's going to do it for the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Brendan Glasheen and for Nick Cattles, of course, brought to you by betonline.ag. Be sure to keep it locked into Boston Sports Journal and bostonsportsjournal.com.